Welcome. We're starting a new series today, and I'm excited about this series. We're going to walk through the summer just kind of looking at, okay, so we have this God. God is, and what does that really mean for us? And that's what we're going to spend our time walking through. I know some of you are hurting. I, I know some of you are afraid. I know some of you might feel exhausted or even worn out. Maybe for some of us, we feel like we're losing hope. I, I, I want to show you this morning a guy from the Old Testament. His name is Jeremiah. His words are recorded in, in one of the, the places that we find ourselves in this morning, Lamentations chapter 3. So if you have an iPhone Bible, it will be incredibly easy to find. You just hit Lamentations. If you have an old school Bible, it might take you a little bit to find that. Just look at the table of contents. That's why they put it in there for you so that you'd know where to go. But Lamentations chapter 3, there's a little story that happens that describes a lot of what we would feel like today. So Lamentations 3, it'll be on the screen behind me too. Verse 19 Here's Jeremiah writing these words. I remember my affliction. I remember my wandering. I remember my bitterness and gall. Verse 20, I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What, what I want to do today is help you kind of understand one of the most beautiful, one of the most powerful attributes of God that will help you when you're hurting. Listen to the continuation of that passage in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. It says this, because of God's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Here's our attribute this morning. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Because his mercies are fresh every morning. So today it is my honor this morning to talk to you about the mercy of God. This subject, honestly, is way more complex than most people would think. Honestly, there's layers when we look at every single attribute of, of God, and there's overlap, but there's also distinction. I, I'm going to try to start really simply for you, and then I might confuse you. We're going to get a little bit deep this morning into something that's complex, and hopefully when we come out the other side, we'll have a very powerful and simple truth. One of the challenges that I think when we talk about the attributes of God is, I think that a lot of us think that it's like a soupy stew. Like all these attributes kind of go together. They kind of overlap. There's like love and joy and mercy and goodness. There's justice. There's faithfulness. God's full of grace. He's compassionate. And we have all this stuff in a huge pot. And all of those things are true. And they do overlap. 
but they're also very unique and very distinct. Today, I want to give you three attributes or three qualities of God that are closely related, but actually they're very, very, very different in function. They're related, but they're distinct. You might have heard this word, what is justice? Justice is, is simply defined that whenever you get exactly what you deserve. And in our culture today, in 2022, when someone does something horrible, we tend to think this, let justice be served. That's justice. Somebody gets what they deserve. You might have heard this word, grace. We talk about that in church often. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Do any of us deserve salvation? We don't deserve it. We're saved by grace. God gives us something that you and I don't deserve. But you see, grace is different than mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And so you see they're all a little bit different. For example, most of us would love justice until it involves us. We don't want justice with us. What do we want? We want mercy. We don't want what we deserve. We don't get what we actually do deserve. We want other people outside of us to get justice. But you and I, what we want is mercy. That's when I was wrong and I deserve punishment, but I didn't get punishment. We want justice for other people, but you and I always want mercy for ourselves. And God... This is great news. God is a merciful God. I want to show you in a text in Ephesians chapter 2 that is not so fun. It's one of those passages of Scripture that you and I aren't going to love. Paul contrasts our spiritual condition without Christ, our nature without Christ. He contrasts that with God's mercy. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Look at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work with those who are disobedient. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time. We gratified the cravings of our flesh. We followed its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature. We were by nature deserving wrath. Watch what Paul is saying here. We're spiritually dead. We're obeying the devil. And he said, all of us used to live that way. We followed the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We did whatever we felt was good, whatever we wanted. I love these words that Paul said, by our own very nature, by our own desires. Paul's saying here that, that we're, without Christ, we're spiritually dead, not physically dead, but spiritually dead to our disobedience to God. We obeyed the devil without Christ, and you're following your sinful desires and your subjects to God's wrath and anger. This is where it gets confusing. When we 
at church at daybreak preach about a loving God, this is where it gets a little complex. How can a loving God actually still be an angry God? See, that doesn't make sense to me. But what I want to try to show you in the next few minutes, and stay with me, is that love and anger can unquestionably coexist. I I want to give you an analogy, and I want to warn you, though, with this analogy. It's going to break down. Because I'm going to compare God to you. See, it already broke down. We aren't God. For example, if you have a child... And you love your child, but your child lies to you. What do you feel? You feel love toward your child, but you also feel angry with your child. They coexist. If you have a friend that you love, but you simultaneously love your friend and be really mad at your friend by them putting themselves in a situation that puts other people in danger you still love your friend but you can be frustrated with your friend you can be angry they coexist wives stay with me you can love your husband so much but when he doesn't put the toilet seat down you might not love him in that moment and you're asking for god's help to help him so that you can love him you can Be both angry and love at the same time. And and so when God is angry, he can love people and be angry at the same time, which hurts his creation. And Paul is talking about this nuance. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, but because, I love that word, but, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, verse 5, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Remember what what we are without Christ? You and I are dead in our sins. We're obeying Satan. We're subject to God's anger. And Paul says, but God. But God is so rich in what? God is so rich in mercy. In other words, even though we deserve to be punished because of God's great mercy, rich mercy, He didn't give us what we deserve. Maybe you're tempted like me to think this. Well, God's not fair. Sometimes you and I need to flip that and say, thank God he's not fair. Because if God was fair, I would get what my sins deserve. God is rich in mercy. In fact, a rich word in the Greek uh, is the word elios, elios. And this word is a present tense word, which means that it is God living in mercy is continual. It's ongoing. It never ends. He is so rich in mercy. It's continual. In other words, he has always been there. In other words, he will always be there. And that's why it's new every morning. Whenever you read the Old Testament 
or the New Testament, you will see that God has always been just. God has always been merciful. He's always been righteous. He's always been loving. But here's the problem. Why do so many people have a wrong view of God? Get ready. This is where it goes deep. You're with me at Ambrose. You're in my class. This is where people go wrong. So many people don't understand God because their view of God starts in Genesis chapter 3 and it ends in Revelation chapter 20. If you don't know Genesis 3, that's when Adam and Eve sinned. That's when they disobeyed God. And Genesis 20 talks about the punishment. That's the judgment. And for so many of us, When we think about God, our theology is simply this. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. You fell short. You're going to hell. You're not a good person. You're going to hell. But that's not where the story of God started. And that's not where the story of God ends. The beginning is Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, God said this, It is good. The oceans are good. The mountains are good. The skies are good. The birds are good. The fish are good. It's all good. Then he created people. And he didn't say that people were good. God looked and said, man is very good. This is where it started. It started with the goodness of God. And God said, this is so good. Enjoy it all. Multiply. Have fun. Don't just eat the, tr- don't just eat the fruit of this one tree. What did Adam and Eve do? They gave into temptation and they ate the one. And God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. They ate it. And did they die a, a physical death? No, they died a spiritual death. And what did God do? He said, I'm sorry, there are consequences for what you did. I've got bad news for you. Childbirth, childbearing is going to be really hard. And you're going to have to work a lot. That's what's coming. These are the consequences. But friends, what did God do then in his mercy, which is new every morning, which has been there from the beginning and will be there till the end? In his mercy, he sacrificed an innocent animal. He made coverings for them so that they wouldn't feel shame. See, his mercy is new every morning. The scriptures... The story of God starts with mercy and goodness and it ends with goodness and mercy because God makes all things new. See, the story of God started with goodness. It ends with goodness because God's mercy is new every morning. When you understand the nature of God, you will understand that He's always just. He's always merciful. Our only response then is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Are you staying with me? He's always been good. In the Old Testament, a familiar guy, David, sinned. Right away when we use the word David and we tie it to sin, we think Bathsheba. We're instantly there. But this is a different time, okay? David was actually pretty good at sinning. 
Thankfully, God is a God of mercy, and that sin could have had huge consequences with a whole bunch of people. But in 2 Samuel 24, verse 14, we get a little glimpse of David again. Here's what it says. David said to Gad, not to God, it's not a spelling mistake, said to Gad, I am in deep distress. I'm in trouble. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but don't let me fall into human hands. Whoa. David here is choosing the hands of God to fall into when he sinned rather than the hands of man. See, God will have mercy for my wrongdoing. Let me run to the God who is merciful. And then he says, don't let me fall into human hands. Friends, I think that's kind of funny. I want to go to a merciful God because God may show mercy, but so many times people here on earth don't. God may be a merciful God, but oh my gosh, if you mess with people, we know this, people will desert us. And the tragedy is so often that those who should be the most merciful, the body of Christ, are often the ones who show the least amount of mercy. We're going to come back to that thought in a minute. But what I want to do first is show you just how much mercy means to God. Just how much it matters to God. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, there's the most ridiculous detailed descriptions of how God wanted his holy temple to be built. If you don't know, the temple would be the dwelling place. And you can read it again and again. I mean, there's so many details. It'll make you want to skip that day of Bible reading. It can be this much and that much, this long. Here's cubits, there's gold, there's silver, there's bronze. You do all this kind of stuff. Here's the key. And God says, in the middle of my house, I want you to always make a room for mercy. Make room for mercy. It's in the center of my house. It's in the center of my heart. It's the core of who God is. Because with the birth of every new day, my mercy is always there. G. James, the author James, was the one who said this. It's going to come up on the screen. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's what the verse says, James 2.13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been mercy, merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Friends, why is it that those people, Christ followers, us, who should be full of the most mercy, aren't those people? Why is it that those who receive the most mercy, you and me, actually are the most judgmental? Perhaps, maybe the reason we don't have the influence in the world that we should have is is simply how we represent God to the world. We represent God in a narrow-minded, hypocritical, judgmental, Christ-following attitude that doesn't have mercy. Friends, you and I who receive the most mercy should be the most merciful. So what's our message? 
It's simply the message of Jesus. It's the message that Jesus is knocking on the door. If anyone opens up, Jesus comes in. In other words, our message here at daybreak is this. Come with your pain. Come with your brokenness. Come with your sinfulness. Come with your insecurities. Come with your dysfunctions. Come with your drug problem. Come with your porn addiction. Come with your lying. Come with your envy. Come with your guilt. Come with the things that you don't want anyone to know about. Just come to Jesus. Friends, I'm not here to judge. I've received mercy. I want you to have that same mercy. It doesn't mean that we won't tell the truth here. But it does mean that we're not going to judge you. Come as you are. Come with your doubts. There's so many people that have a question about God. They doubt, and the church says you can't doubt, so they leave the church. This needs to be the safest place in the entire world. This should be the place we're most secure with the most complicated questions about God. You think God hasn't heard it before? Come with your questions to God. Come with your complaints to God. You think there's a lot of things that you don't like? Listen, I can give you a list of things longer than you can create of things I don't like. We're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. We're far from perfect. We can't be perfect. So because we're not perfect, we don't demand perfection in this room. We've been forgiven. We're people of grace. And so my message is just like this. Come on and join me. I need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. Let's just go to Jesus. He is so good. Let's let him straighten us out because I can't straighten you out and you can't straighten me out. Let's just go to him together. Make room for mercy. Some of you this morning... You need to receive the mercy of God. He's given it to you. Now receive it. Accept it. You're forgiven. You're changed. You're new. That thing you hate about yourself that you can't let go, why are you holding on to something that God has already forgiven? Friends, make room for mercy. There's a difference between justice, grace, and mercy. What is justice? Justice is very clear. It's what you get. It's when you get what you deserve. We like when people get justice, except for us. Then there's grace. Grace is what you get. Uh, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. No one here deserves salvation. You're saved by grace. Grace is what you get when you don't deserve it. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God that in His mercy, God sent Jesus. And what makes it even more emotional is when someone sins, someone's got to die. God is just. He's also merciful. But because of my sin, someone had to pay the price. And this is where it gets really difficult. That someone was the Son of God who paid it, who paid for it in my place. The one who never sinned paid it for me. My ticket was not just forgiven. Someone paid for my wrongdoing. 
I love Romans 12.1. It's going to pop on the screen. Let us therefore urge one another, brothers and sisters, in view of what? God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is the only way that we worship. Living for Jesus is our worship. Worship and just singing a song, it's because of his mercy. Some of you might say this, well, I thank God for his mercy, but Matt, I'm still hurting. I know that many of you are. There's so much pain going on right now. When I look around at those that are closest in my life, I see brokenness, I see sadness, I see anxiety, I see tension. But I want you to go back with me to Jeremiah. What Jeremiah said at the start here in Lamentations chapter 3. The faithful love of the Lord. This is so good. It never ends. It's continual. It's never ending. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we're not consumed. His compassions, they never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Friends, they were there in Genesis chapter 1 and they're there at the end of Revelation. God has always been a God of mercy. He'll always be a merciful God. He also is a just God. Whatever it is that you need from God, His his arms are wide open. But God always starts with mercy. He was merciful yesterday.